0: So service. Now, the last message I did was acts of compassion, and Chris did one acts of kindness. So, it all kind of follows on. And we're going to look at Mark chapter 10, and verse, we're going to look from chapter 35 to 45, we're going to read through this, and we're just going to look at service in God's kingdom. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, it's like that, you remember Zebedee from Magic Roundabout? <laughs> Came to him, teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever you ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied. Let one of us sit on your right hand. And the other on your left. In glory. They didn't want much. You don't know what you're asking. Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink. Or be baptized with the baptism. That I'm baptized with. We can. They answered. Jesus said to them. Hmm. You will drink the cup and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right hand is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard this, they became indignant with James and John. They were upset. Jesus called them together and said, look guys, you know, that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles. Lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead. Whoever wants to become great among you. Must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first amongst you. Must be slave of all. For the son of man. Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So why, I to ask you this, because why did the disciples become indignant with James and John? Because they all wanted to lord it over people. You see, what you've got to understand is that the disciples, their mindset was that they were looking for the Messiah. And the experience of life was such of their life was that if Jesus is coming in his kingdom and he's the Messiah, then we are going to be part of that, and that means we're going to be lording it over people, telling people what to do. And of course, what was happening, group dynamics, Jesus had brought this group together, and they were all jockeying for position. You know, when a group comes together, generally, hmm. I use this term carefully, but you ever seen dogs when they meet? They sniff around each other. Well, human beings do it in a different way, but what they do is, when you bring a group of people together, at first everybody's genteel and everybody's nice to each other, and usually the task leader will say, this is the vision, this is the task, and everybody's excited and up for it. Then, after we realise, they realize the enormity of the task, people get discouraged and begin to fight with each other. This is called the group storming. The group storms. Ah, everybody fights. Okay? And then people settle down. Now, they're in a storming stage. They're all fighting with each other, all jockeying for position, and they're all indignant. How could James and John, and deep down in their hearts, they wanted to ask the same question too. But how does Jesus measure greatness in his kingdom? He said, look, guys, my kingdom's different. This is how I measure Greatness. Jesus measures greatness through our acts of service. That's how he measures greatness. He measures it... Through acts of service. Not through our ability to control, manipulate other people. And he says now, I'm the son of... I love this verse. So even the son of man, God... He didn't come to be served. You know, Jesus was God and he was mad, but it would have been very easy for him to just come and be served. He said, no, I didn't come down here to be served. I first came to serve. The word in the Greek is doulos. And to give my life a ransom for many. He was going to lay it down. So he sets a precedent there. Now, you know, we live in a kind of consumer society. We, we, you know, we go to the supermarket, we get what we want. We, we expect to be entertained. And, you know, when people come to church, we can bring that same kind of consumer mentality in. We can think that church exists to meet my needs. I need healing. I need love. I need affection. I need affirmation. I just need... I need everything that they can give me. So you come. And what happens is you can kind of come to God and there's affirmation there and there's healing there. And you get what you want and you go. Some of you Sunday morning, you come to hear the word or for a talk. And you get your piece of bread and you go. But you know what? That's a kind of consumer mentality. It's not actually what God set the thing up for. Yes, he wants to heal you. Yes, he wants to affirm you. Yes, he wants to bless you, but it's all for a purpose. I've been reading a book that Chris gave me for my summer reading, Justification by uh, Tom Watson, who's the Bishop of Durham. It's a heavy read, but this is what he says about that kind of mentality. He says this, we are not the center of the universe. God is not circling around us. We are circling around him. He goes on to say, It may look from our point of view as though me and my salvation are all the be-all and end-all of Christianity. Sadly, many people, devout Christians, have preached that way and lived that way. But a full reading of the scripture itself tells a different story. God made human beings for a purpose, not simply for themselves... Not simply that they could have a relationship with him. But through them, his image bearers, he could bring his wise, glad, fruitful order to the world. Man, I mean, the rest of the book is hard work, but I just got that. Because that's what it's about. What's happened is we we think that we're here to be served. But God says, no, I didn't make you for that. You're here to serve. You're here to fulfill my purpose. You're here to to demonstrate my character to the earth. So what we conclude is this, that God saves us, that is, you become a follower of Jesus, not just so you can go to heaven, not just so you can get healed up, not just so you can get all your needs met. It's for his purpose. That is to make his name known. And we have to remind ourselves of that. Or else what happens is we come to church and we get all the stuff, but we don't think, it's, and we just get nice, warm feelings, and we just feel so good, and we just feel so loved. And it's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's for a purpose. God's saving you and healing you so you can get back out there in the community and demonstrate his love and his mercy to, to that community. So we're going to look at three things this morning quickly. The cost of service, the attitude of a servant, and the acts of a servant So let's look at the cost of servant And it's a service Look, Luke 10, 30, 90, 42 It will come up on the screen Obviously if you're listening on the podcast You will need to listen Because you can't see it As Jesus and his disciples were on their way He came to a village Where a woman named Martha Opened her home to him She had a sister called Mary Who sat at the Lord's feet Listening to what he said You see, Martha was busy with her own agenda. You know, and if you want to be effective servants, here's the first thing. We need to cease from our own works. Sometimes we just need to stop. Now, if you've been on this journey a little while, you've been on this Jesus thing a little while on this journey, what happens is you, 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 you get busy. And sometimes you just need to Stop. The next thing you need, you need to listen to him. And how can you do that? Well, it's simple things. I know this is heresy, but you should read your Bible. You know, you're surprised about Christians don't read their Bible. You know, every day will be good. Pray. Spend some time praying. Just stop. Because you see, when Martha was busy because she wanted recognition and, and she wanted some affirmation, she was doing it from the wrong motive. Mary understood first, I need to just just stop, I need to listen. I need to cease from my own works. I need to learn to listen to him through his word, through prayer. And we know what? We need to learn to be before we do. Can you sit down and be still? Or you... (laughs) Yeah. Some people that have that problem, and particularly if you've been a Christian a long time, you get into this thing that you think you need to be doing lots of things. But I remember when I first came to the church, I remember Linda Hall, you know, she saw me and she said, oh, would you like to do something? I said, look, Linda, I just need to be before I do. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to spend the next five years just (laughs) be. Anytime, you know, Chris asks you, I'm just being, man. I'm just being. You know, you're just cool. You're chilled. No, but (laughs) we're talking about the fact that we need to minister out of Relationship. Out of our sense of being loved, about our sense of being a son or a daughter. We can also hear God through others. I was talking to, I think it's Dion there now. Last week, Richard did a great job and he peeked on faith. And Dion said to me, It was like I was the only person in the congregation and he was talking to me personally. So we can hear God through the word. We can hear God through talks. We can hear God through words of knowledge. We can hear God through prophetic words. But the important thing is we learn to hear him. Because when you you look at Jesus' life, he only did the things that the father was doing. Which presupposes that he had to sit down and listen and spend time with him. In fact... Awesome verse. I was reading John in, in John eight twenty eight. He says, "I only speak what the Father taught me." Whoa. I only talk. I only speak what the Father taught me. He goes on to say this: "I always do the things that please Him." John eight twenty nine. I only do the things. His motive wasn't to just serve so he could get recognition. He just wanted to do the things that pleased the Father. Paul, who was a, a writer in the New Testament, wrote about 12 books in there. There's some dispute whether it was 11 or 12. He said this. He says, whether we're at home or whether we're absent, we seek to be pleasing to him. And to be pleasing to him, you need to do the things that he initiates. The cost Is to deny the desire to serve to meet our need for recognition, love and affirmation. And serve to be pleasing to him. I'll read that again. The cost is to deny the desire to meet our need for recognition, love and affirmation. And serve to be pleasing to him. You see sometimes most of us get get caught up in service and... The motives are all wrong. And here's the test, friends. Speak to some of you who've been on this path a long time. If someone said you can't do it anymore, how would you feel about it? Hmm? If someone said you can't do that anymore, I'll be personally. One time, we, I and I were going through some challenges, and Chris said to me, look, then, don't preach for a while. Just step back. I hate to have to say this to you. And I said to Chris, I remember we were sitting up in the study, and I said, Chris, Preaching is what I do. It's not, I'm preaching is what I do. It's not who I am. So in other words, if I don't do it, I'm not going to fall apart. Because who I am is a son. I just happen to preach. I just happen to be a father. I just happen to be a teacher. If the doing gets caught up with who you are, you're in deep trouble. The minute you stop doing it, your world falls apart. Which means that your motive for doing it isn't correct. You do it because you want to be pleasing to him. Let's look at the next point. Attitude of a servant. Philippians 2, 1 to 7. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. If there is any comfort from his love. If any fellowship with the spirit. If any tenderness and compassion. Then make my joy complete. And this was Paul writing to the Philippians Make my job very complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility. Consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Let me summarize that. In other words, God, Jesus, limited himself. That's a major, because this is God contracting himself and limiting himself and then coming into the world and choosing to serve. The only equivalent that would be like the queen deciding that she's going to give up all of that stuff and just become an ordinary citizen and not depend on her status or rank. Here's the point. Servant-hearted people focus on others' needs, not their own. And you need to be secure to do that. And you need to know that you're loved to do that. If you're doing it so that people will love you, love you, love you, no, 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 that's not going to work. We're going to have trouble sooner or later. Second, they respect the unity of the community. They don't do things. They're not divisive. They don't play games. They don't say one thing to one person and another thing to the other. They don't do that. They respect the unity of this community. Because they know that they are loved and accepted by God for who they are, sons sons and daughters of God, they find it easy to edify and build people up. Don't you want to be around someone... Who builds you up and encourages you? Yeah, they're in the right place at the right time with the right attitude. You know, sometimes people, you know, come to the church and say, "Yes, we will do anything that you want want us to do." So you ask them to, "Oh, well, would you come on Thursday now and fold a few thingy balls for us?" Oh, I'm busy. Oh, but I fucking, so, oh, so it's, this is the kind of service you want. You want to serve on the bits that you like. You know, we've, had, we've had a number of those people. Yes, I'm happy to do anything. But the attitude's not right. You know, if you've been here a while, some of you weren't with us at Marlborough School, but it was, it was every, you know, 8.30 was what we call set up. And who do you think would be there? Chris, Felicity would be there. Setting up, even though he might have to preach, he was there, and they'd have this big trunk thing that they'd have to hook up to the back of his car, and you have to bring it there, and then have to pack out everything and put it all down there. And then we'd be putting out chairs and we're doing all the rest of it, and then we would pray and we would do the service, and then we'd take it all down again. But Chris was there, he was doing it. It wasn't like, Well, I have many people in my church now, I can just stay at home. I'm preaching the word, so you know, I need to keep my energy for it. No, he was there. Now, obviously, there comes a point where it's impossible to do that, but the point was he wasn't just sitting back. They don't need to be asked to serve. They anticipate people's needs. I come from a customer service-type background, and I always think the highest level of service is when you anticipate the need of the person so it's there before they ask. If you need to be asked, you failed. You know, you're there reading the newspaper and thinking, oh, do you need some help? No, you should be there already. A servant-hearted person is always looking, always scanning, always scanning and seeing where there's a gap and just moves into it. They're in the right place at the right time with the right attitude. And the attitude is important, as well as the heart. So let's look at our final one, the acts of a servant. John 13, 1 7. And this is Jesus in his, one of his final discourses before he goes to the cross. The evening meal was be being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Judas knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And that he had come from God and was returning from God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. Now what you need to understand here is that in the Jewish culture, there was a servant to normally wash people's feet because their feet got dusty today. So when Jesus did this, it was one of those moments for the disciples. Because what would happen, there would have been a bowl there and all of them would have walked past it. Thinking that someone else would wash the feet And then Jesus comes He takes off his outer garment He puts the toe And they're like What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? That's not your job You're the son of God God, 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 God <laughs> you know, You're know, you the man of God, God, God You're not supposed to do that Jesus says no He doesn't say anything he just, It's the actions that speak That's why I want to get, you the, get the enormity of what's happening here he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Are you mad? No, said no, no, no. Jesus said, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall not wash my feet. In other words, you're Jesus, I love you, I, I, you can't do this. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me then Simon who goes from one extreme to the other says, I love his response dead Lord Simon Peter replied not just my feet but my hands and my head as well I love him he's either he's 100% one way and then he's 100% the other way the key important thing is enthusiastic <laughs> yeah <laughs> you, know, I, you, you know it's not like okay then it's okay do the lot so Jesus, Jesus' response says look a person who's had a bath needs only to wash his feet his whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that, and that was why he said, not every one of us was clean. When he'd finished washing their feet, he put on his, his clothes and returned to his place. Now, you, can you imagine what's going on in the mind of the disciples? They're just completely confused by this. Get the picture. It's like the queen now donning off her, no, she wouldn't. But, you know, take, doing the lowly task and serving This doesn't happen. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. In other words, leadership is always by example. Leadership is always by example. People watch what you do, not what you say. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth no servant is greater than his master. Nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. The challenge we have is that most people don't want to don the towel. They're always thinking someone else to do it. You see, you come here on Sunday morning and you think that it just happens. I remember one guy said to me, oh, you just turn up and, you know, you just, it all happens. No, it doesn't. It's planned. There are volunteers out there. I'm a volunteer. I'm not on staff. I'm lay. I have to go to work. Or I'm disguised. I'm a full-time worker disguised as a teacher. What are you disguised at? You see, Rick told us, you see, that Paul, who wrote the, the, a number of books in the New Testament, he was never full-time. The only time he was full-time, you know, was when he was in prison, because he couldn't work. <laughs> yeah? it was at his majesty's pleasure Yeah, most of the time he had a tent making ministry and he paid his way so the church is generally made up of volunteers we have 12 people on payroll here the rest of it happens through volunteers it's easy for me to say this because if if Chris or any of the full time team would say say, well you would say that because you're on the team no I'm one of you guys (laughs) I'm giving my time just as most of us give our time voluntarily because we're involved in something that's bigger than us we're understanding that we're investing our life in eternity we're not just here to save our lives up so that we can spend our golden years sailing around the, the, the world we understand that God has called us for something greater than himself it is so that his name his glory that is his character his attributes his love and his mercy may be communicated to the earth through a group of people called the church and therefore, when I invest time here, it's in eternity. And what we would encourage people is to come invest your life in something that's bigger than yourself. Don't save your life up for something that's not really worth it. This is about eternity. God calls us to serve. He doesn't just call us to come to church so that we can get all our needs met. He calls us so that, yes, our needs can be met. We can experience his love so that we can go out and serve as a community. That community out there that doesn't know what we know. That there's bread in this house. That there's a God in heaven who loves men and women. And he sent his son Jesus for us so that we could come into a relationship with him. So that ultimately we could get into the family business of making his name known. Amen. Thank you for that. So, if we want to serve God's purpose here of gathering and growing and giving away God's love, we need to have a heart where we choose to serve rather than to be served. And we're all involved in this. We're all involved in the family business. It's not just 12 people with a thousand spectators. We're all involved in this. What could you serve as? There's some things up there. If you can see it. You could be a greeter, to your steward, donors. The list is there, these are practical things. Now, it does not mean that you need to spend 10, day, ten days in prayer and fasting to find out. Because, you know, somebody said, well, you did say listen, so I'm, I'm still waiting. <laughs> I'm just waiting for that word. Right. Don't do that one on us. Some of you, can, we can surf. Where could you surf? The tiny tots. There's so much. What I would encourage you to do, you know, is to, to, to we've got lists, we? we've got little cards that people can, if I had really got this thing planned, you would have all had a card this morning, and then you would have ticked what you're going to think about serving. But I would encourage you, just as we now move into, what, September, which is the beginning of term for us, when we get back to work, what is it that God would have you do? Have you just come to this church to be served, or have you come to serve? How does Jesus measure greatness in His kingdom? Through our acts of service. Through our acts of service. Which table, which table are you going to serve? Will the band come please and should we stand? You know... We want you to catch the vision of what God has called us to do here. You know, we're gathering, we're growing. We're gathering people who are looking for Jesus. We're growing them up so they can become effective servants in his kingdom. And then we're giving away God's love. And that mission means there's going to be acts of kindness, acts of compassion. We're going to use technology. We will use whatever means possible to attract people. So they can come and they can get healed up, yes. They can get saved, yes. But ultimately they can become effective servants and join us in the family family business. You know, God said to Abraham, he said, I'm going to make your sons and daughters like the stars in the sky. And then God decided that he was going to use Israel as a nation to achieve that. But they failed. Then God sent Jesus, who fulfilled not just the law, but he was there so that that passion for God to make his name known might come to pass. And then he left, and then we have his church. And God calls us in his church to serve, to fulfill the mission. So, what part are you going to play? How are you going to serve God? God has gifted you with things He's gifted you with abilities, not so that you can just make money with it. But ultimately, you can serve him with it. So let's just pray. And then they will lead us into worship. Father, we want to bless you and praise you that you call us to serve. We thank you that Jesus is the example for us. And Lord, we ask you that in these coming weeks, days, you will touch our hearts as a community. That we might be willing to serve where you call us to serve. And Lord, we would do it with a heart not to get your affirmation or your acceptance because you accept us, but because, Lord, we want to be pleasing to you. Help us as a community then to rise to the vision that you've given us. To gather all those who are looking for Jesus. Lord, to grow up those who will be effective servants serving this community. And then to give away your love. We bless you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.